Hey, Mike, how's it going? Doing well, man. Doing well. Good, good. See ya. So, hey, let's jump right into this because this is kind of interesting. You and I, in the past, have talked. We, we actually talked a little bit about cryptocurrency and the uh, Bitcoin thing and all that. But what I wanted to do was get your take because you don't. I mean, you travel a fair amount, but you don't. You're not like a massive traveler, right? And especially going to seminars and stuff like that. But uh, you have you just, right. like a week ago or so, you went to the block. It was a block stack seminar in right, San Francisco right. mm -hmm. and um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that and kind of get your take I, I looked at their website they had some pretty fascinating speakers there like some of the, one of the early employees of Atari computer and some pretty interesting guys that are involved in uh, you know the blockchain movement and, and different types of uh, I don't know different parts of the cryptocurrency world I guess you would say so tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe what your experience was and why you chose to go to that particular uh, event. Yeah, so cryptocurrency and the blockchain are the next internet. And by that, I mean, it's easy to say what the internet is now, but if I just said 20 years ago, there's this thing called the internet. You'd be like, well, that's nice. You know, we all have our hobbies or whatever, not realizing the repercussions of it. And that's where the blockchain is. Well, it, there's whatever great, it is. There's a great video with, um, I think it's Katie Couric and a bunch of people on the Today Show, if you remember that from like 1993, right. it, trying to explain what the internet was. And they got this, they use the at symbol and then you can send somebody mail, but it's not actual mail. It's, you know. Well, you, or you can even watch little things like uh, Twitter. You know, five years ago, 10 years ago, what was Twitter? People, people didn't really know what Twitter was. Right. People didn't really know what Facebook was. And those are just apps on the infrastructure of the internet. So the blockchain, so the internet is, I, I don't want to say best understood because, I mean, I don't know how you would say the internet is best understood, but I think of the internet or conceptualized as, as an infrastructure. It's an infrastructure where you can do, I don't know, anything. You want to run a podcast, you want to share news and information, whatever. You want to have social media apps built on top of that. That's all built on the internet. And that's what the blockchain is. It is an infrastructure that is, it's not going to displace it because that'll take a, that'll take a long time, but it is, it is the next infrastructure, the next sort of the internet that we're all going to understand and Blockstack is a specific infrastructure on top of the blockchain. They have apps that are crypto-based um, on on the on their platform. The block stack, I guess, and, and they might argue with this and da 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 da. But I would think of block stack as a platform built on top of the blockchain. But then people within the blockchain have their own blockchains. They have, they're called chains, and for short. So Blockstack may be its own chain in and of itself. And if people listening are confused, that's fine because I'm confused. And even people who know a lot about okay. these subjects are confused. That's why there's so much, there's a lot of drama. So for example, when people found out that I was going to the Blockstack event, they go, oh, Blockstack is a scam, can't believe it. And so people have really strongly held opinions, hmm. largely because nobody really understands what the blockchain is or is going to be become. 
Okay. So, so I'll give you an example. Yeah, please. Okay. So is it money, code, or speech? That was a line from Naval Ravikant at the Blockstack event when he gave his talk with sci-fi author Neil Stevenson. And that's what they mean when you're talking about crypto, right? Is Bitcoin money? Well, sure. I mean, if, if you'll take it, then it's money, right? Right. The currency. Is it code? Well, sure, it is. Is it speech? Well, you're, is code speech? There was, early, there was a debate about that a long time ago where... You know, we all think of speech as vote for our guy, vote for our gal, save America. We're, yeah. we're going to elect a, a person who's for the people. Well, that's understood as speech, but is code that is a currency, is that also speech? And if not, why isn't it? Conceptually, it's a, you know, quite a challenging problem. So is Microsoft OS speech, right? It's code speech. And you can read, you know, all kinds of scientific, not scientific, but you can read all kinds of articles. We were even dealing with that a little bit when I was in law school. Is, is code speech enough? So what are the implications of it? Because if it is speech, you can't ban it. So if crypto, Bitcoin is code and it is code is speech and QED, you couldn't regulate Bitcoin because you would be censoring people, right? Interesting. Okay. And yeah, 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 it is. It's interesting in a way that it's interesting in a way that you know you don't really know how interesting it is because it's such an early we're at such an early stage of all these technologies. We're at such a, like the internet. I mean, imagine if you would have said the internet. Remember, just started off as email, and imagine you just said, "Hey, rather than fax someone, you can email them across the country, across the world." doesn't cost you anything other than a little server cost. Well, that's cool, right? And you didn't think that that same infrastructure that allows you to do that would create Amazon. Remember, Amazon.com was a bookstore. Well, and remember, you know, I'm sure you're you're old enough to remember the Sears catalog used to come out. You'd circle your right. things in it, right? I, I remember sitting in my grandpa's house when I was a little kid, and he'd have this big, thick catalog. It's like the size of a yellow pages, and a lot of people don't even know what that is anymore. And but big, thick book, and it had color pictures in it of all the toys for that season. And they would send it out around this time of year, late October. It would come out early November. And then you would go in there and you'd circle the things that you liked and you'd hope that, you know, your parents or Santa Claus would bring those to you. Well, who would have thought that the Sears catalog is no more because of the Right. <laughs> right. Nope. No, yeah. No, no. Not even Sears saw that coming because they were late to adopt. So early on in the Internet, there were a lot of people who they didn't even buy their domain name. Because, right. you know, why would you buy – if you run a magazine, why would you run – and go buy a domain because you're not going to do an online magazine. So it's all it's all changed. I remember, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Sears catalog. There, I remember the first thing I ever, because I never had money growing up, the first thing I ever could afford was a Bose Wave radio. It was $500. And you had to write a check. You would see ads at the back of a magazine. Oh, back yeah. Back when you'd read a magazine. So there's a whole, when, when you think back now, <laughs> You're, you're you're like yeah. There there was a whole process. Those were the original. Anymore. Those were the original guys who sold courses. If Alexander yeah. Cortez was selling a physical fitness course back then, he would have been in the back of Boys Life magazine or something with an ad, and then you clip the little coupon on the bottom and you fill out your name and all that. And 
try to get your parents' credit card. Yeah, direct marketing. Yeah. So you would you would read it and you would see the ad for the Bose Wave Radio, and then you'd send off a check. Yeah. And then the check would take X number of days to get there. <laughs> and then the the package would arrive. It was a big deal. You check the mail every day. And that's a completely foreign way of life now because of the quote unquote the internet. And I, I feel like that's what the blockchain is going to make it. People just think the blockchain, so right now we're in the phase where when the internet came, people weren't like, well, the internet is like the telephone, but on the internet. Nobody really knew. With blockchain, people would say, well, blockchain is like an uncensorable internet. That's the only way it's conceptualized in popular culture. Whereas I think the blockchain is the internet in terms of that metaphor, that analogy is only applicable in terms of we didn't know what the internet was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. The blockchain is the next, the internet, but I'm using internet as a metonym for something unknowable. What, what is it? So I get that asked a lot of people like, why are you into crypto? Why are you into blockchain? Why are you on this? Because whatever it is, it's the next thing. So you're saying and, 20 years from now, you and I could pull up this episode and we'll look at this and then laugh about how dumb we were talking about the blockchain because we didn't know what the heck we were really talking about. Well, who knows how we'll even consume, you know, content. Yeah. At that, at that point. Well, well the whole crypto thing. Yeah. The whole crypto thing's interesting and the blockchain thing is, is interesting. And, you know, there's all these, I guess, aren't the bandits of the world always the early adopters of, of this stuff? I mean, internet, what it was built on porn, right? I mean, that is yep. that how really, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. Somebody's going to say, well, actually it was invented in, you know, 1969 by some, you they'd know, be wrong. Right. Yeah. The but, internet fiber optics ex existed because people wanted to watch pornography. Yeah. That's the only reason we have T3 internet connections and everything else we have. Yeah. So it's, you know, so what, so let, let's break that down. Maybe, did you guys talk about that at the conference? I mean, what are the illicit uses of blockchain today? And maybe that points us to where we're going in the future. Well, sure. If you say there's an unsensible internet, then anything that you could think of that's evil that could be get rid of, you won't be able to. And that would be everything from copyright infringement to terrorism, right? That was if you if you can if you create a truly unsensible internet, and then Al Qaeda or ISIS or ISIL or whatever the next big thing is comes around, and they occupy that area, what are you going to do? You can't ban it. It's uncensorable, right? So you would have uh, you know child stuff. Every every kind of evil thing you can imagine would happen there. And then if you had a, a cryptocurrency and an unsensible internet, people could buy or sell illicit goods, and there's nothing anyone could do to stop that. At least as we know it now, but technology changes, and who knows? Mm -hmm. But that's the whole point. Everything, so, that, that's what, who knows? So what happens with, you, you've got like, I, I don't know, there was a guy that was recently in the news, and his name escapes me, but he invented a company or owns a company that has... 3D, 3D printing technology for for guns. Okay. Right. So he and we're not just talking like uh, a plastic gun, and you got to get a firing pin somewhere else. His machines can print both plastic and metal. Okay. So it's almost like a think of like a th uh, 3D printing machine that's also kind of a CNC machine. So you literally can make like an AK-47 or a M16 or, you know, whatever, you know, these 
assault weapons can be can so does that kind of thing how does a blockchain affect something like that in the dissemin dissemination of that information i mean obviously today you have what's called the dark web well yeah the dark web is much different than the blockchain the dark web is is an anonymous network where you access it through, through using a specific uh, browser on tour and in a lot of ways the black web is kind of for instance or both the feds can't shut them down physically you can find out where the domain is being hosted or not even hosted necessarily within that case but where the servers are there there are ways there they could so be destroyed that you could you could do a bunker buster missile if you had right to, right and, but yeah but what what if what if you're able to do this and drone technology is getting getting this level where you could get crypto a fully anonymous crypto there is one zcash uh there, there is a, a form of crypto now monero that is pretty much anonymous mm -hmm. and you could go send your crypto to a wallet address and then at some farm in wyoming or macedonia or wherever they had a 3d printing press that was rigged up that whenever a certain blockchain transaction happened and this is all traceable it would 3d print you a drone and then would fly that drone out to some kind of target mm. how would you find the drone farm right unless we're completely surveilled how would you know so here now the drone technology isn't there yet but it's getting better so i could just say there could there could be for example uh, a sat you could build a you could write a dystopian novel about this an assassination drone farm I would find out, okay, this guy uh, is 50 miles from here. There's a 3D printing facility over here. You send your crypto to that address. The address boots up, prints out the drone. The drone flies out with a little charge or something like that. Facial recognition software is getting better. And it just kind of flies around a little bit and then sees you and poof, jams down on your head. And you're actually starting to see that now in some popular movies where they're doing uh, small drone swarms that attack, you know, like not not like a big drone like we have today that flies around and launches some missiles. These are actual kamikaze drones that are the size of a modern day, what you would assume would be like a photography drone today, but they actually have charges in them and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things swarm and all dive bomb at the same time. Sure, so you could have an anonymous platform where people could buy and sell these things. And that's just one thing that I can think of. That there's, I'm sure, ten thousand unintended outcomes that we can't even think about, and that's kind of mind, it's mind blowing to think about because everything could be done anonymously in theory, but then again, we don't really know because the technology or computing power might be sufficient that you could maybe crack a code or you could because everything on everything with Bitcoin is it's uh, cryptology, so. There, you know, I have this book up here. I, I don't see it right now, but it's cryptography. The, the big book, all these people like, they all like was Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson. And so if you could, in theory, crack the code, you could move that bit, Bitcoin around. Mm. So when you say you have Bitcoin, that's a bit of a misnomer. You have keys to Bitcoin. And the keys to Bitcoin are as it is now impossible to crack the password you can't crack with current computer so i don't like where's your bitcoin i don't have it i have a key that unlocks the bitcoin which is stored on the blockchain right mm -hmm. yes yeah, so it's very very complicated okay so 
you know, you're really, I, I would say, one of the few people in the United States that has a real pulse on, you know, current affairs. You're, you're one of the best. And what is your feeling on how does the government look at the blockchain and crypto today? Well, they ha- yeah, they hate it. They hate the idea because right now all of our money comes from central banking. It's printed out of thin air, mm-hmm. fiat currency, as people will call it. And that's how the government controls the rate of inflation, the money supply, the growth of the economy. Everything is based upon the printing press, how much debt the U.S. can be. And people go, oh, well, the U.S. is in debt. Well, how does the U.S. go into debt? Who controls that? Mm-hmm. You know, how does the Federal Reserve even work? How does the printing press even work? How does money go into circulation? That's all regulated by the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve. So with crypto, there is no, you can't just print out more Bitcoin. There, There is no central, that's why people say it's decentralized versus centralized. The Federal Reserve is the definition of centralized government. There's a chair of the Federal Reserve. And that's why Trump, even Trump, President of the United States, has to cry on Twitter about the Fed. Yeah. Because... Even the president of the United States can't can't control what they do. He so can appoint. Why has the, the government? Or why haven't the larger governments, more powerful governments in the world, just stepped in and, and outlawed uh, Bitcoin and and these cryptocurrencies already? Well, because for for the reason that we talked about earlier, there's a lot of free speech implications to it. Is it code? Is it money? Is it speech? If it is speech, can you just ban it? Can you regulate it? How how would you even? So they're not, How would you even? So they're not that scared of it yet. They they don't like it, but they're not fearful of it. Because if they were fearful of it, it would be eliminated, right? Well, they're fearful of it. They don't know how to eliminate it. That's the problem. They, if you read what these people are saying about it, they're always trying to tie it. There was even a recent uh, prosecution where they used Bitcoin as a headline, like child exploitation ring that used Bitcoin caught. So they're absolutely afraid of it, but they don't really understand it. So, uh, so to answer your question, multiple layers. One is they are afraid of it. Two is they're not a, they're not as afraid of it that they would be if they knew as much about it that I know, which is just shallow compared mm. to what other people know. Because the people who truly know Bitcoin aren't going to be the kind of people who are from the government. So there, you have a decentralized. This is why the you know, decentralized is a buzzword, but the metaphor holds the federal reserve is centralized that here's what the rates are going to be and the money supply is centralized and there are strict penalties for counterfeiting money with all these controls on it that come from the central government whereas crypto is completely decentralized there's no person that you could you could say hey you can't send bitcoin anymore there's all these computers. That's why it's called the blockchain. Okay. The chain is just all the computers and servers and mining machines and everything connected on infrastructure with no on-off switch. There's so no at, on-off at, switch. At your Blockstack conference that you attended, did they have sessions regarding government interference or government uh, manipulation or government involvement in blockchain and crypto? Was that a discussion point there? Uh, not specifically because their event is more focused on apps that are happening in the blockchain and broader t- trends. Okay. But in any kind of crypto world, that's part of the backdrop. I mean, it's so, kind of amazing if you think about it, like you and I could, 
we could attend a an event in Bucharest, and if we wanted to, we could send money, or as you say, code or you know, speech or whatever. But you can send this almost instantaneously to somebody in another country. It doesn't have to be Romania. It could be Moscow. It could be Japan. It could be China. Whatever. But. Um, the fact that you can send something of value so quickly and not have to go through currency exchanges and, you know, uh, arbitrage of, of the currency between one, you know, handler and the next and all this. I don't know. It's almost like uh, the euro, but worldwide, right? It's like, a, it, it's just, to me, I don't know. I, I, I'm still trying to totally get my head around it because I'm not, like, I'm not in the space, you know, and I'm not, I don't spend my days thinking about it. But when it does come up and I saw that you went to that at a conference, it, it just, it really, it intrigues me some of the things that you can do with it. Although I, I guess I'm not totally aware of being able to build apps and things like that on top of a blockchain. Yeah, but that's intuitive. As long as there's an infrastructure built up, then people can build apps or they build their own blockchain and then they so they create different networks. So there's a lightning network people talk about and they're all in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. So then there's people have tried to split Bitcoin off to Bitcoin Cash. People have tried to, they call them forks. They've tried to fork it off and they try to build their own network. And then when they have their own networks, they have their own blockchain. And then everything that happens on there is incentivized with like microtransactions. So if you're a big sort of focal point, then you're getting microtransactions in a, in a, in a way like a, a toll or payment. And a lot of these people are in China, they're in Russia. For example, Bitcoin went up 30 some percent yesterday. I saw it, yeah. Because because China came out and said they're, they're looking into it. And there was actually a panel at the Blockstack convention about China and China's development and investment in the blockchain. China's going along the blockchain. And they explain why really? people there are more technical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is that intrigues me. So, so what about what about we say that our government is fearful of the, of the blockchain? You're saying that that the Chinese government is going long on the blockchain or, or crypto or whatever it is. Why? Well, because you because you can't. One of those things you can't beat them, join them. Okay. You're you're, you're not going to shut down. Blocked, you're not going to shut down Bitcoin. Okay. And you can either try to be at the center of innovation and realize that's going to attract the smartest. The smartest people are all in blockchain right now. Mm-hmm. We still have this myth of you know, whatever a tech person is, whatever image people have. The smartest people are not working at Facebook anymore. The, the smartest people are all working on blockchain because it's the most interesting. Why is the most interesting? Because there's that pioneer kind of mindset. It's something brand new. It's the new the frontier. The problems are intractable. Okay. Right. So do you want – that's why I said Trump should be – there are certain things Trump could do that would uh, – maybe enamor is not the right word, but would be a very smart thing to do because this is where the trend is, and you're not going to shut it down. You're not going to beat it down. So you might as well you might as well ride that wave and maybe try to steer the ship a little bit. Hmm. Okay, so it's like Napster was 15, 20 years ago whenever. Well, yeah. What if what if what if the music companies instead of fighting Napster just bought it, and sold their own music? Right. Right. How much does Apple's music store work make? Makes a ton of money, right? Yeah. So people, people, myself included, the only reason I used Napster, or LimeWire, twenty years ago was you couldn't buy like a song. You had to go buy a CD, 
And then as you had an MP3 player, you would have to take a CD and rip it, and then rip, rip it, yep. and then pull a song off. You're just like, this is absurd. But if I could have just bought the album from 9.99 or bought songs from 9.99, I would have done it. You know, I'm, I'm the exact. It's interesting that that's insightful. You don't always think about stuff that way when you look backwards. But that's exactly why I did it too. I never thought, gee, I, I really want to get that free Led Zeppelin song. I mean, I, if it was a dollar fifty or ninety nine cents or whatever back then, I would have gladly have stuck a writable CD into my computer and downloaded and built my own album for nine dollars. Would have done that in a heartbeat, right? But you couldn't do it. You had to go right. on Napster, or LimeWire, or one of these other. Music sharing sites back in the day, right? And Napster and LimeWire to segue into the blockchain and Bitcoin, they were still on a centralized network. So that's how they were able to be shut down. Mm-hmm. They were they, right. They were able to shut it down because they took away. They just shut down the companies. Well, who's the company for Bitcoin? They just go in and shut down because Napster and LimeWire they were what peer to peer. Right. So I had so I had a. I would connect my computer and somebody with all these songs on there would connect their computer and then you could share amongst computers via a network node which was Napster or LimeWire well there's no just like node that like like Napster or like LimeWire that Bitcoin uses to where you could just say we're going to cut off that node or we're going to target the people who run those nodes well that there's it's all it's all decentralized in the blockchain so there are like there's a little bit more to it but I don't want to to bury people in the weeds, but there, there isn't any way if you took out, even if you knew the biggest blockchain miner, the person, and you said, you know, we got to shut this down, and you're just like evil dictator or something, and you assassinated that person, the blockchain would keep on keeping on. That wouldn't shut it down. Even, even a targeted assassination can't, can't stop blockchain or Bitcoin because you've got that's how decentralized you have it. decentralized miners across the planet on on the and. and yeah, and you have all the computers and servers connected to the blockchain. And the interesting thing is, too, and I, and again, I, I don't know a ton about this, but I did come across an ad on Facebook for a company that was selling mining equipment. And you could buy this device. And I know I probably sound like an idiot to the guys <laughs> do this, so bear with me here. But you could buy this machine and you plug it in. And it has internet connectivity and it needs electricity, but slowly for processing transactions, what it gets like a gazillionth of a fraction of a of a uh, uh, coin. And then over time, so I would assume that if this thing is being widely, people are selling these machines all over the place and there's probably a secondary market for them where you can buy them for a fraction of that cost. So you've got people that just plug these in at their apartment and this thing's just running all the time. Yeah, that you can't really do that anymore because it's not profitable because things got more efficient. It used to be when Bitcoin was less expensive, you could Bitcoin mine just using a normal computer. So people would mine Bitcoin essentially with their uh, running in the background because to get a Bitcoin, you get 25 Bitcoins when you solve a math problem. And the math problems become exponentially more complicated as the supply of Bitcoin dwindles. So 10 years ago, the math problems weren't that hard to solve. You didn't need an advanced computer to solve it. And because Bitcoin wasn't worth anything, people weren't going to use their massive, um, they weren't going to buy massive operations to, you know, to get a penny, 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 penny Bitcoin. Sure. So, so then the mining, you could buy like a little mining machine and still do okay. But because the math problems got harder, you had to run 
more electricity because you had to have faster and faster machines. You know, you had to have like a video game console or something. Okay. And then people would join mining pools because because when you solve the problem, I, I, when you solve the problem, you get twenty five bitcoin. And but you have to solve the problem; it's all or nothing. So if you're in a mining pool, then all the computers together, and then that's split evenly amongst the different miners. But then, but when Bitcoin started to make real money, this was probably when it was in several hundred thousand dollars, and certainly in the thousand dollars, people would go and buy cheap real estate. It's like anything else; you would scale it, right? Yeah. Then they'd buy a thousand miners. Or they would be parts in China where they're like a corrupt, you know, government official, where they're not even paying their own electricity. Sure. And then they, so mining now hasn't been viable for an ordinary user in at least a year, probably two or three years. Okay, so, so then what you're saying is that there's large banks of computers that are running the the mining equipment. So it seems like that's becoming more centralized than not less decentralized. No, because there are all those everywhere, and if those fell off. So th- that's a great question. So let's say I found out. Okay, there's a Bitcoin mine here, and they're running hundred thousand miners. Bob Jones right? has got a solar farm in Montana, and he's got a warehouse or a, a barn right. filled with mining equipment. Right, and then you just destroy that. Yep. Well, all that all that would do is lower the competition to solve the mathematical problems, and then people who had less sophisticated equipment who were on there would solve the problem. It's like cutting off the head of a hydra, right? Eight, eight more other heads reappear. Even those really central mining points, that wouldn't stop anything. Ah, it would disrupt the price. It would disrupt the price and face some other issues. But then, all these other people with these mining equipment, they would just plug their mines back on because then it, the because the electricity cost, right? So, say it costs you a thousand dollars in electricity to mine, but you're only getting a certain fraction of Bitcoin. You go broke, but if you took out those big mines, then you'd get out your old miner, and then people would get right back to work. Oh shoot! Okay, so eliminating a, a larger chunk of the network or a larger—I I don't know what you would call it—clearing house, maybe eliminating a large clearinghouse on, in a barn in Montana would do really nothing other than than spur the development of secondary or third tier miners back into the space everybody would just yeah everybody with their own miners would would because there are still people with their miners if you have them really there's actually a lot of cool videos on youtube like this Mm -hmm. so if you really have an efficient machine you can still make a profit so a lot of people but it's not a big profit but a lot of people do it because it's like a fun thing you you know you set up it's like a hobby. Well, I mean, college. What what I what I kind of heard and what I saw on YouTube with this was, you know, if you're living in a dorm or something and you can get one of these mining things, you're not paying for the electricity anyway, right? So you stuff the thing under your bed. Yeah, they crack down on that. <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like anything else. Yeah. <sighs> okay. It, it was the same thing with Napster and LimeWire, which was, you know, everybody else was on a dial-up. A lot of these colleges had. The T1 internet, super fast internet at the time. Right. Those were the people who would be doing most of the file sharing. Yeah. In terms of sending it to other people, they had the better internet. Right. But but universities then would find out how much bandwidth is being used. And the same thing with the, the electricity. Yeah. But if if you get there quick enough, it's a good hustle. And there's a lot of people that made a lot of money, but they they couldn't. Moreover, they couldn't do that today. It's not replicable. Neither I they see. nor somebody following that model could do it today. 
Okay. So you have, so is there anything from the San Francisco block stack conference that you kind of walked away with that you'd want people to know about or maybe your big takeaway? Well, my big takeaway is that and this is why maybe a lot of people aren't drawn to the blockchain is whatever it is, it's going to be massive. And the smartest people in the world are working on it. So if you have something that is attractive, the smartest people in the world and whatever it, it, however you define the word it, mm-hmm. be a little Clinton-esque, is huge. It's going to be massive. It's going to completely change how we interact with the world and with the online world. You, you know, you need to figure that out. You need to figure out which way it's going to head. <laughs> and get there early. I mean, there's, the, I mean, the Bitcoin... So this kind of sounds like maybe what you're saying is in 1998 or 99 was when the internet really, I guess, came into its own, if you will. Okay, this is when you had the dot-com bubble and stuff was in 2000. So the year or two, 98, 99, leading up to that, it was big. I mean, I remember going to my high school reunion and like 30% of the people there were all in an internet company, you know, pimentoloaf.com and, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's all these different crazy, you know, paperclip.com and all this stuff, right? That they were going to be this this huge thing. So you're saying that maybe, maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying that we are maybe a year or two or five years out from a massive blockchain revolution? Like Well, as consumers... Been? As consumers, for sure, and as entrepreneurs, which this is going to be geared to, uh, I can't, I can't come, I can't say I came up with this. Somebody else did, one of the blockchain people. But Ethereum and Bitcoin is the first time in, in my lifetime, and I'm 42, and I think you're 48, where somebody who wasn't a venture capitalist could get a thousand x gain. Just pause, pause, and say that again, right? To get really, like, let's say you do a good real estate deal, you're looking at three x maybe 10x now and then, right? We invest their money. Maybe you buy, you know, people say, I wish I'd have bought, you know, Amazon early. Well, yeah, you wanted a 10x gain. That'd be massive. Right. Right. A thousand X gain is so huge that it's hard to comprehend. One, and two is unless you were like an early investor. So forget buying Amazon stock. We're talking, you were pre-IPO in Amazon before you could even buy it. Yeah. You you couldn't just as every person get a thousand X gain but there were hundreds of people, probably thousands of people, who got a thousand X gain because they were early in crypto. They got in Bitcoin when it was a dollar, right? A lot of people did. And so it's already the point where if you're just now learning about the blockchain, because I've been learning about it for years, and I'm happy, this is why I don't argue with people about it, because I've been learning about it for years and I don't understand it yet. I still don't get it. So when people try to argue with me, I'm like, okay, I, I don't argue, man, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do know that if you're just now, and I did quite well, you know, on crypto and stuff years ago. So I'm just saying if if you're just now learning about the blockchain, you're late to the party, but the party's so early that the opportunities are going to be infinite and endless. There it is. Okay, folks. Well, you heard it here first. Maybe. Maybe first. But you certainly... It's like that, it's like that scene in... What's the film with Dustin Hoffman and the old woman who seduces him? Oh, uh, The Graduate. The graduate. There's an early scene in The Graduate 
Mrs. Robinson. Where the person said, I'm telling you one word. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson was saying, I'm telling you one word, son. Plastics. Right? <laughs> Plastics. That's a great That's- movie. Now, now you make me want to watch that. Got that, it, 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 it's got that yep. really cool little convertible Alfa Romeo in it and everything. It's such great. And my favorite, well, my favorite scene is the end. I hate to spoil it for people, but it's a 50 year old movie, so I actually don't. But the end where they're just like on the bus together and then they look at each other like, what did we just do? Right? Yeah. Oh shit. There's that oh shit moment. Yeah, there are a lot of great scenes of that. But one is the other recommending plastic, and this is, of course, before plastics were widely adapted. And that's where we are now. Is Whatever plastic was mm-hmm. 40 years ago, that's what Bitcoin is and blockchain is now. Awesome. All right, great place to end it, Mike. Thanks. Thanks.